Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name is Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And we realize that whenever Reformation has happened in the history of the church, it's messy. So we're taking time to have conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to ask them what needs to happen for us to see Reformation. We want to keep saying thanks to all of our faithful listeners out there. Uh, Keep up the good work. Our listenership continues to grow every week, and these conversations are spreading throughout the CRC. So keep listening and keep sharing this with people who would benefit from these conversations. We really appreciate it. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part two of our conversation with Aaron DeBoer. I have a saying that um, Presbyterianism is the answer. And then somebody says, well, what's the question? It doesn't matter because when God's people will follow his prescriptions, um, things go quite a bit better. Otherwise, we're, we're just, frankly, um, we're in a form of rebellion. And it yeah. may not seem that way through the cultural lens. And it's hard to describe to people in, you know, this, this century what biblical authority is. But those are very real things that, that the Lord doesn't take for granted, and he takes very seriously. And so uh, as I visit with you guys, it's, you know, the joy is that that's the kind of fellowship we're enjoying. And, and um, you know, you and Jason and I, to, to be able to share just how that process came for the church to recognize us and us to feel inwardly called to be presbyters as we both walk with Willie in discipling him in that direction, like that's, that's glorious stuff. That's just really good stuff and and hopeful stuff. But you use the word hemorrhaging. And so that is a blood loss, right? And blood loss leads to death. So what we need to evaluate is, have we hemorrhaged too much? Or or have we bled out and, you know, we're just kind of laying there half dead? So that's that's what we're discerning, right? Uh, And then what, what does revival truly look like? And can it occur in this structure exactly yeah or even to keep using the analogy of the half dead body you know what what would an aed look like to our denomination right now to get the to get the the heart restarted and going because i i think everyone and maybe i'm wrong um but the feeling i get as i talk to people kind of aware of broader denominational things the overwhelming feeling is that our that our denomination is just kind of half alive right now. Like things aren't firing on all cylinders. People aren't super excited about everything. Our denomination's going. We feel like our, that the CRC is just kind of limping along half dead. Uh, am I, am I off in that? Or do you, do you see something different, Aaron? No, I would agree. I, I, I think you're giving it too much credit to call it half life. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to be cruel, and I really want to guard myself here that that I not 
be a source of discouragement because I'm I'm very hopeful for the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, mm. Christ is reigning and triumphing, and we're reigning with Him, and we're using His weapons, which are grace and truth and rebuke and healing and you know the means of grace. And so I'm I'm very hopeful for for Christ's kingdom, but I am so bogged down and burdened by um, the public witness, the expression of the Christian Reformed Church, and the you know the emails that I open that I get from Grand Rapids, and then the fact that I don't have the discipline to not follow the trail to the network and to all these things, or when I open up the banner and uh, an organ that used to be a place of rigorous theological discourse is like the worst mommy blog I've ever read, you know? Um, And that's, I, I know that's, that's got a tinge to it of, I, I, yeah, again, I got to be guarded, but I got to be honest with you guys. Um, yeah. the, the, the forensics we need to be doing call for some pretty plain language. Yeah. You know, so yeah, what are we going to do? The, the churches at the local level, um, Jason, yeah, again, I think they're limping because they've probably hemorrhaged conservative churchmen who are now elders yeah. in other federations who were previously. Uh, confessional and teaching the catechism. They've made compromises in other areas of the church where the worship has uh, devolved a little bit and and has become worldly in influence and in flavor. Um, There are other just sort of broad evangelical um, resources which are being employed. Our own publishing arm is uh, not worth utilizing other than some of the historic documents that, that we can still find you know yeah you, you can go to faith alive and you can get the heidelberg catechism with proof text that's about yeah. the extent of uh the wisdom that's on file there mm. you know because if, if you if you're leaning into some of these resources that even we would be equipping children and women's study groups and so forth with or then we've totally given up on those and then we're borrowing from broader evangelicalism that that totally would lack uh, a historic reformed accent and certainly um, a pedo-baptist accent. And I'm talking about um, big evangelicalism, even a resource that probably many of our sympathetic fellow travelers are using, like the Gospel Coalition. It's just all contributing to a dilution um, of what what we previously held dear. Yeah, and I want to I want to go back to something you said earlier that I think I've really been thinking about this. You said that the situation we're in right now calls for plain language. And, uh, and that really struck a chord with me. I just got done. I just got back from vacation and uh, read uh, R.C. Sproul's biography. And, uh, and wow. They, yeah, it's, I re- highly recommend it. Uh, it's called R.C. Sproul, a life or something like that. Read it. And uh, but one of the things in that biography it talked about that R.C. Sproul fought against over and over, it used the words studied ambiguity. That he oh, said wow. that 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 in the PCUSA and and all of that, that there was an intentional ambiguity so that there was so that we could fit this broader tent in there. Right. So that anybody could basically believe anything they wanted. And uh, and R.C. Sproul said, "We can't stand there. We have to, f- we have to move forward with 
tight definitions, plain language, be clear with what we believe and not keep going forward with studied ambiguity because that studied ambiguity just leads to believing really nothing, standing on nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and the, it seems to me that the effort towards ambiguity and, and where they do, uh, they, who are they? Um, progressives in the denomination, where they are offering nuance, it's to emphasize a very therapeutic approach, which we know comes from the world. Um, again, without the rigor and the, and the plain talk, you know, we, we used to take our smartest guys that came from farms in Iowa and so forth, and then we would send them off to a seminary which was on par with old Princeton and then was a, was a sister of Westminster, Philadelphia after, after the, the purge from the liberal Presbyterians uh, in the 1920s and 30s, right? We took our smartest guys who, who literally, you know, they grew up being catechized and shoveling pucky and, and they were plain guys who then got the vocabulary of scripture and deep theology and, and they brought those things to bear from the pulpit with compassion and passion. Um, and now we've, we've gone to this, you know, just wimpy sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. And, and we can, we can talk about how therapeutic the banner is. We can talk about even how therapeutic the, the, the structure of the denomination has become. I'm, I'm sure that that Mr. Timmermans and Mr. Watson are good men and, and neat men, but even their backgrounds are in, you know, um, psychology and, and applied statistics and, and these other fields uh, that, that are influenced by a very worldly academy and terminology and are devoid of uh, a rigorous confessional theology that's understood by a guy with calloused hands. Amen. Mm. Amen. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a really good way of putting that, Aaron. And uh, I'm kind of wondering, as you've uh, kind of sussed out these things a little bit, and, and you've been in the CRC for a while, so I, I kind of trust your analysis and, and reading on things, but you, you mention a level of ecclesiological and theological deficiency within our denomination, and I think we could all pretty much agree to that. My question is, how do you think we actually got here? Yeah, I go back to my previous point, by not being elders and, and putting people in positions of authority and decision-making who aren't elders, who aren't principled, um, who are vulnerable to worldly stratagems, who are, um, yeah, kind of just flapping in the breeze, tossed about. Uh, and I know that, again, that's plain talk, and, and it may sound harsh to the modern ear, but that's the reality, whether it's in our worship or the emphases chasing after cultural notions, global warming, race. I don't, I don't know how we got to this place of race where, I, where I'm inundated with emails and statements where apparently the whole Christian Reformed Church is making statements about um, acts of violence against people of color, um, or even most recently, uh, political situations in the Middle East. Uh, in, in a way, they, they violate the confession there in the scriptures by binding my conscience, by, by advertising to the 
to the to the rest of the the visible church around the world that this is our position i i don't know i mean i think yeah how did we get here we neglected feeding the lambs we neglected biblical eldership and we have chased after sociological notions which we bought and paid for with ministry shares at calvin college and we watched the sociology department and the feminism and uh you know even the the origins of the earth be deconstructed and taught to our kids and so forth and so it it, it goes back to oversight in my view and now we have this ballooning uh, church government entity, you know, unordained staff people with a, a broad and, and weird mandate. And we shouldn't be surprised that without um, gifted ministers and, and ruling elders at the helm, it's, it's just going to get weird. And that's what it is. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And that, uh, I mean, that fits, I have to say, amen, because that's one of the drums I've been beating for a long time. I say it a little differently, but it's the same thing that we've gotten where we are because we failed that discipleship. And, uh, and because the the discipleship reaches, I mean, those responsible for discipleship are the presbyters, the elders, that that's your job as an elder, as a pastor is to disciple the flock, to feed the sheep, and to equip the saints for works of ministry, like that is your job. And, and there was a failure of that. And there has been a failure, there continues to be a failure in that, um, which is why we are where we are, which also I think, when we know that, then that tells us what we need to start doing. If we're going to turn the ship around, is that we really need to start discipling people. Yeah, and since we're a grassroots, uh, congregational emphasized institution fortunately the hope and the help is is at the local level and there are many churches where there's pastors who uh, bring means of grace ministry and uh, worship that's regulated by the scriptures and catechize the youth and and preach the full counsel of God and when people from our culture don't understand it they go drink coffee with them and explain it and disciple them and so there is great discipleship going on in local churches. And, and just as we've described this mutual edification that we're experiencing um, and, and that that's, that's elsewhere. But I think you got to spin stuff off now and, and, and maybe the beast will be starved um, by abandoning the, the ministry shares um, platform that we've long used and going to this new pledge system. I think that's what you need to do. The churches need to be informed, which is also part of oversight. An elder is able to teach and so the elders need mm-hmm. to teach. This is this is where this is the state of the denomination. Uh, this is what people who come hungry for Reformed theology, someone who just read R.C. Sproul's biography, or has been attracted to these great resources that are available um, through this modern Reformation that's taking place online, they they access biblical theology there, and then they examine this so-called Reformed denomination, and they go, no, that. That just looks like, you know, the state college or whatever that I came out of. Um, and so if the oversight that we are developing and discipling within the church can translate to an educated oversight at the classist level, and um, as well as 
on the synodical level, which I don't know if it can, because that all has been so diluted. I, I frankly think the effort to seat deacons, which is not Presbyterian, by the way, was an effort to put um, more women and, and young people in, into those seats of the courts. And I'm not insulting women or young people. I'm extolling the wisdom of elders and, and who they are and what they are. Um, and so that'll be the trick. I think we've got a lot of, a lot of hope in certain local churches and circle, certain classes, but redeeming the highest court and the agencies that are funded therefrom is a, is a significant uphill battle. And so if we starve the beast, maybe they start spinning things off, they start laying people off, they start selling real estate, so forth and so on. I don't really want another split. I don't know that the world needs another denomination. There are some decent reform denominations out there. I'm looking for a home, right? I'm looking for a new mother, unfortunately, as, as Cal the metaphor that Calvin used. But I'm, I'm willing to to hang in there for a little while. I'm, I'm still credentialed in the CRC. I didn't have to be for this church planting. Um, I have, I got to go through the PCA's church planting assessment process and, and I've been working on a second degree at, at Covenant Seminary. So I've got some inroads with the PCA, but I'm still here. And that's, that's the Lord's doing as, as much of a um, moral struggle as that may be for me. This is where he baptized me and taught me and called me saved me. Uh, and so here I am. But my, my thinking is, um, in, in keeping with, with the, the plain talk and, and the clearly articulated arguments and um, throwing off the, the externals that are so bound up in the culture and pragmatism and, and the goofy stuff, yeah, there's, there's a chance. History would indicate that that, that chance is slim. Um, and then further, that Again, I, I, I did reference this at the outset, that judgment comes first to the household of faith, and the CRC has plenty, has plenty of stuff to repent of, even as we're kind of talking about the glories and the good old days and so forth, the things we love. Well, in those days, there was plenty of pride um, that went on, and there were errors that were going on way back then that, that were um, tasting the fruit of in, in certain ways. You can You can see where Kuyperianism taken in the wrong direction ends up with all this goofy social justice stuff. You can see where the 73 statement on human sexuality breaking with the reformed understanding of Confucianism, the, uh, well, easy for me to say, um, the, <laughs> the, the, what is desire, is desire sinful, gets us to this whole same-sex attraction mess that we're in. And so we've got plenty of things to repent of as well. And, and oftentimes when I, when I hear guys talking about purifying or restoring or reforming, they are in a, in a little bit of a way kind of holding up an idol of, of the structure that was. And so they want to tear down the idol of the structure that is, but maybe return to the idol that was. So it, it's complex. There's, there's a lot of hard work for every individual in, in the Christian Reformed Church to do. Yeah. Amen. And yeah, and I think, I think repentance, I mean, any part of reformation requires repentance, right? I mean, in, in our own personal reformation that begins with repent and then believe. Right. And I, and I've mentioned this before. I just think it would be so powerful if, if we could get the CRC to a place 
where we would repent of our sin, not repent of all of the cultural sins that they're telling us. You know, we keep repenting of those things over and over and over again. And, and it's not, but, but if our denomination as a whole, like if we, if we put out a statement from synod saying we repent of messing around with any of this homosexual foolishness, we repent. We were messing around with it. We shouldn't have been messing around with it. God's word was clear. We repent and we hold fast to God's word. We repent. I mean, could you imagine? I mean, it, for one, you'd, the dogs would be howling and barking and people would be coming. At, people would be, some would be pissed. But for those Christians, those Christians that are on the fence and not sure where to go on this, to see a whole denomination say, we repent of messing with this foolishness and we hold fast to God's word. That's powerful. Um, but yeah, the culture would go crazy, but, but the culture's already going crazy, you know, but, but we can, we could grab the hearts of some people who are just wobbly and not sure we could firm them up by repenting of, of messing with all of this foolishness we've messed with. Yeah, that would be terrific. Um, to see, to see a synod that, that just got out the long knives and, you know, just really butchered some things to say we've got to cut this off this is this is dead wood we got to cut this off and there's a repentance that comes with that that hard pruning yeah um it's just there's so many branches in this tree which are not producing fruit or or producing really deadly fruit um when when we're chasing after cultural notions and idioms and um emphasizing these flesh matters like the color of your skin and the nature of your sexual sin and if that defines you i mean these are just we got to get back to the pure gospel man that those who have been born again are in christ they've been transformed they've been washed and we've got guilt grace and gratitude right all you know written through our greatest document and and so forth and so what does a life of gratitude actually look like it's it's not taking a stand on instagram or writing a blog on do justice <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, that's been, uh, well, I want to go down that road just quick, because that's one of the things that I've talked about people. One of the, one of the dangers of social media is that someone thinks they can post a meme about something and feel like they're doing something rather than actually going out and doing something, you know, so you could post a meme and people see it. Um, and then you feel really good about yourself, like, oh, yeah, I'm changing the world through my Instagram account or through whatever. But then you're not actually doing it in the community. Right. Like, so I tell people, if, if you want to see racial justice, go do it in your community where you're at. Like, see, see, like good, healthy, biblical racial justice. Do that in your community. Don't on like Facebook, social media. You're not going to do that. Right. Um, and and we, we have this tendency to like. It's, it's all a virtue signal is really what it is. It's we like to kind of pose like we're doing things like we care about these things, but then we don't actually live them out. Yeah. And, and, and on a corporate scale, that's exactly what comes out of Grand Rapids. You get these statements and so forth. Um, and then you neuter our, our public witness. You take Christian out of the uh, the agencies. Well, let's not call it a missions agency anymore. Let's call it resonate. Let's not call it a, a Christian relief agency anymore. Let's call it World Renew. Um, and so even in those statements, that's, that's the emphasis. We're going to 
we're going to actually neuter our witness so that we can get greater grants from a secular institution like the Canadian Food Grains Bank. That's our logic. That's our pragmatism. Um, and then we emulate this wicked generation, as I think you just articulated, Jason, and making it all, um, you know, a black screen on our Instagram page in some sort of solidarity. And um, it's it's just it's it's gut wrenching for me, and, and I'm getting I'm going to get emotional here and and lose my cool. I don't want to do that because I want to be an encouragement to the brothers um, that remain and thinking about, you know, there's all the brothers in Western Michigan that are solid and they're like in that culture even more. Yeah. Um, I've heard guys say you got to move the, de the denominational headquarters. I think that's, that probably would be a good step. You got to spin off the college and seminary. Um, that's what's got to be done. If we're going to be an affiliation of, of gospel churches, then let's be that. But um, though, though that exists within the structure, the visible structure does not denote that that's the identity. It denotes uh, just the, the spirit of this age. Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the the questions that I wanted to ask you as somebody who uh, is still searching for uh, a mother, but who who has the CRC for a home right now. Uh, you're you're kind of talking about some of these solutions right now, but what do you think would need to be done, kind of, to see a reformation and a revival? throughout the CRC and do you, do you think it is worth saving at all? Well, you know, I, 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 I respect the question, Willie, but I, it, it, that if I'm hearing you right, I want to put more emphasis on God's providence than, than on, than on our efforts. Um, if we are faithful, then the church will the Lord will use his church exactly how, uh, how he desires. And so mm -hmm. if we are on our knees when we crawl out of bed in the morning and we're in his word and we're faithful in, in teaching his people and walking with his people, then, then he's going to do wonderful things in that context. And some of it is going to be suffering and some of it's going to be persecution and some of it's going to be humiliation, mm -hmm. but it's all going to be for his glory. And so when we talk about saving an institution which has i think we've documented in this last hour in many ways has has gone over to the world or to a grotesque form of christianity which gresham mason would say is no christianity at all that Amen. liberal christianity is not christianity uh, what are we saving and 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 for what um i think we need to to lean into our immediate call. Some of this, you're talking about a lot of work and do, do pastors and elders want to put 10 hours a week into the writing of letters and the going to meetings and the drawing up of documents, and so forth. Uh, I admire those who have the time and who have the families that'll uh, allow them to do that and so forth. But at the end of the day, for me, those things, uh, even draw me into sin sometimes. Uh, I'm vulnerable to, to to bitterness and to pride when I and I probably sound like it to some of our audience that that I'm that I'm oh am I the pure church? Am I the the the, the real elder? No, I'm the flawed man in front of the pulpit a couple times a week and uh, who's trembling uh, oftentimes. And so as we each live into that call. 
to tremble before God's word. He will do marvelous things. And, and perhaps we overemphasized denominational structure. And, and, I, and I can see why we're uh, elders who were businessmen and so forth, who, who were godly, but, but thought we've got, we've got resources, we, we've got know-how, we can do this and so forth. But, but now it has been strangled. And so, you know, what, what are we saving of this, of this carcass? Again, going back to that, that metaphor we employed. So I, I respect your question, Willie. But I think we need to search ourselves really to understand what we mean by that. Um, is, is, it, is, there, is there pride? Is there what's left? And, and what does that help the, 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 local, the local ministry and the Great Commission to endeavor in that way? So those are things I'm, I'm working out and I don't know if I have the answer. No, I, I, think, I, think, I think that's uh, completely... Uh, agreeable by everybody here and uh, again really support what you're doing at uh, friend of sinners and praise god for your ministry there and i think that's just a really fair assessment of this situation and that's that's kind of what we've been hearing by people that uh we have been interviewing is wh- where does where does god seem to move more powerfully immediately and it's on the local level uh and that's kind of what you've been stressing so i i think we just resonate a lot with that and i i certainly commend you for all your work you've done and then we'll hang on to the good. You know, let's hang on to the connectedness. Um, there, there's a marvelous connectedness in this tradition. And I'm not talking about Dutch bingo. Uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> what we're doing right now and the friendships that we make. And uh, I had an interesting experience. Um, I had my exit interview after my oral comp at Calvin Seminary. And I left with an MA to go over to Covenant just because I was struggling with some of the politics and even, frankly, uh, some of the resources that, that we were um, being exposed to at the seminary. And my exit interview was with a man that I had actually never consciously met, but he was the one who applied the sign and seal of baptism to me when I was a few weeks old. And that was Stan Mast. And so that's the kind of connectiveness that we do have. And that's worthwhile that I got to have a, a tearful conversation with an elder saint who had made promises to me and to my parents um, before I even understood. And then that he and I would meet over Zoom to talk about my great disappointment with the years that I spent in the hybrid program at the seminary. And, and I don't even know where, where Pastor Stan is at, uh, on the spectrum of, of views in the denomination, but that was rich to have that time. And then to just hang up from that call and go, you are just a merciful and wise God. And who could have ever thought that, that I would have an experience like that and prayer with a man like that and that kind of fellowship. Well, that came out of the connectedness that we have. So so hanging on to these, these sort of conversations, not getting um, over our skis too much about, you know, what we can affect through politics and so forth, but encouraging one another and bearing one another's burdens, you know, sharpening one another, those, those things, if that's going on even in the ether of Zoom and in the background through email and text, and it's, it's encouraging us as, as we walk with the sheep, 
well, praise God, you know, then he's, then he's using an element of the Christian Reformed Church in North America for the building up of the church and for our edification and ultimately for his glory. So that's, that's my encouragement to, to our brothers. That's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week when we have a conversation with Adam Isinga. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Reformation.